Well, good morning again. If I missed you the first time, I want to invite you to grab a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, if you have a device, if you have a hard copy of the Bible, I always strongly encourage you to follow along with what we're studying, because I think you'll get the most out of it that way. So we're going to begin here in just a minute in Acts chapter 4. We've been in a sermon series the last month going through the book of Acts. And so I've encouraged you, and I'll, I'll say it again, if during the week, if you decide you want to read your Bible and you don't know where to begin, you don't know what to read, I encourage you to be reading through Acts chapters 1 through 10. It'll flow with the sermon series going all the way up until around Thanksgiving time. So be reading through Acts, Acts chapters 1 through 10, and turning to Acts chapter 4 to start off this morning. So there's this old uh, preacher's story that's kind of been passed down through the years, and it's about this preacher who was doing a children's sermon, and so he was speaking to children, and to try and connect with them, he said, I'm going to describe something to you, and I want you to guess what you think it is. So he said, what I'm thinking of, it's small, and it's grayish, brownish, it has a bushy tail, and it can climb trees. He said that, and the kids were looking at him, and he could see their eyes getting big, like they were thinking they might know what it is. They weren't sure, and he said, if you know what it is, raise your hand. And then he went on to describe some more. He said, during the summertime, they store up nuts for the winter, and then finally one kid raised his hand. He's like, I got it. I know what it is. So the preacher said, okay, Robbie, what do you think it is? And Robbie said, well, I know the answer is going to be Jesus, but it really sounds like you're describing a squirrel. <laughs> you see... Robbie was right. He was describing a squirrel, but this little kid was programmed to think that the right answer is always going to be Jesus. So how many of you have ever been in a Bible class and you didn't know the answer, but to break an awkward silence, you just said Jesus? Anybody ever done that before? Usually, if you say the name of Jesus, you're probably not too far off because we like to talk about Jesus. And this morning so far, we've worship together, singing these songs in the name of Jesus. We've taken communion in the name of Jesus. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. And when I preach and when we study God's Word, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. Title this sermon, In the Name of Jesus. Maybe you've heard the name of Jesus so often Maybe you come to church and you expect to hear the name of Jesus. I'm not sure what comes to mind when you hear that name. I'm not sure what you feel when you hear that name. But there is a possibility that you've been so overexposed to the name of Jesus that maybe, incidentally, it doesn't carry as much weight with you as it should. So to start off this morning, I'm going to try an exercise. We're going to kind of span over Acts chapters 3, 4, and 5. And I've gone through those chapters, and I've listed out all the different names or the different titles ascribed to Jesus. I want to read those to you, just each name. I'm not going to read the whole verse, just the name or the title. And I invite you to reflect. You can look at the PowerPoint if you want to. The names will be up here with a scripture reference. But I would encourage you maybe to just close your eyes for a minute. Don't fall asleep. Just close your eyes for just one minute here and listen to these different names and titles of Jesus. And just see what you feel and what you think. So I'm going to begin with the first title. It's Cornerstone. Servant Jesus. God's servant. 
the holy and righteous one, the author of life, the Christ, the Messiah, the prophet, the servant, your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Prince, the Leader, the Savior. So if you close your eyes, you can open them now. We're done reading through the list. You can see the list of the different names and titles uh, given, ascribed to Jesus in Acts chapters 3, 4, and 5. I don't know what you felt when you heard those names, especially if you closed your eyes and really tried to soak it in for just a moment. But these are the titles and names that Peter and the other apostles used to describe this man we call Jesus. I hope something stirs within you. There is no other name in human history that has this much power and authority. The name of Jesus. Just think about that. As a church, you've heard me and you've heard others talk about, especially this year, that one of the things we really want to focus on is Christ in you, Christ in others, and Christ in families. The name of Jesus is really important to us. Who Jesus is, the Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, we want Him to dwell within you, within your family, within others. So this morning, we're going to read through bits and pieces of the story from Acts chapters 4 and 5, and pay attention as we read through this to the special emphasis given to the different names and titles of Jesus. And we're going to pick up where we had our scripture reading this morning, Acts 4, verse 8 through 12, and I'll stop and kind of give you the context here in just a moment, but let's go ahead and start Acts 4, verse 8 through 12. Then Peter... Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, I'll pause on verse 9. Uh, the scripture reading this morning was from the NIV. I just read from an NRSV, but the NIV says, If we are called into question today because of an act of kindness, I ended the sermon last week by challenging you to do acts of kindness or random acts of kindness in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John, if you were to go back to Acts chapter 3, right now they're on trial. They're before the religious authorities of the day, and they're on trial because in Acts chapter 3 they were headed to the temple at the time of prayer, and there was a man at the gate called Beautiful who was lame, who could not walk, who spent 40 years never being able to walk. And then Peter and John see this guy because his friends place him there so that he could beg for money. And Peter says, look at me. And the guy's expecting to get money. And Peter says, I don't have silver or gold to give you, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then the guy, for the first time in his life, gets up on his own. And not only does he walk... But he can jump, and he can run, and he celebrates, and he goes into the temple, and everybody recognizes this guy as the lame man, and now he's running around, so what's happening? And so a crowd gathers, and in Acts chapter 3, Peter gives his second sermon. And then at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, the conclusion of this sermon, Peter and John are arrested. And so now they're put on trial before these religious authorities 
And this is where we're reading from. And Peter's saying, if, if we're being punished today or we're being asked, how did we do this good deed or this act of kindness? And then we'll pick up in verse 10. He says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And then if you remember our song from earlier today, it says, this is Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. And Peter goes on to say, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. There's no other name. Uh, when I was at ACU, I, I mentioned over a month ago, I had this Bible professor named Tony Ash. And I was looking back over my notes from that class and about Acts chapter 4, about this speech, Tony Ash said that this is the gutsiest speech in all of the New Testament. Think about how bold Peter is to stand before these people, these religious authorities, and he's saying, you killed the guy, but there is no other name by which human beings can be saved other than Jesus. Okay, so about a month or two months before that, Peter was denying that he even knew Jesus in front of this same crowd. And now, just a couple months later, after he has witnessed and interacted with a resurrected Jesus, and after he's received the Holy Spirit, now Peter is boldly proclaiming a message in the name of Christ. Many years ago, when I worked at a church in Mount Pleasant, probably 10 or 11 years ago, um, I was serving as a youth minister, and we had the main church office, and my office was right there beside the main church office. So every Tuesday morning, uh, at about 9.45 a.m., things got very lively, because as you know, traditionally, Tuesday mornings is ladies' Bible class. And so the husbands would come with the ladies, and they had nowhere to go, so guess what they did? They invaded the office area. So at about 9.45 every Tuesday morning, here comes a flood of husbands uh, into our office area, and for about the next hour, things really picked up. There were a lot of conversations, and there was a husband. His name was Bob, Bob Wall. He was a Native American man, had a very eccentric personality, and he used to always come into my office and talk to me. I, I loved the visits with Bob, and one Tuesday morning, he came into my office, and he said, you know, I have communion thoughts this coming Sunday morning. So to make conversation, I said, well, Bob, what are you going to talk about? And he said, I'll tell you what I want to say, but I'm not going to say because it'll weird people out. But he said, here's what I want to say. And in my office, he held up his hands like this, and he paused for a moment. And he just said, Jesus. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he stood there, and he paused for a minute, and he closed his eyes, and he goes, Jesus. And he yelled it out again. And then I was sitting there like, I don't know what to do right now. And then he paused for a few more minutes, and then even louder, he just yelled, Jesus, like really loud. And at this point, the secretary had wheeled her chair over and was poking her head in and looking at the office. And some of the other men were looking in there like, what's going on? And, and then he opened his eyes again, and he said, that's what I want to say. But I know I can't because it would weird people out. He said, but that's what I want to say. That's what I want to convey. If I could get anything across during my communion thoughts, he says, that's what I want to get across, Jesus. And I knew Bob. I knew him pretty well. And I could see it in his eyes that the name of Jesus had power and authority over Bob's life. 
And I, I think as weird as that was, I got what he was trying to say. If we could just get anything across, let's just get Jesus across. So Peter says in verse 12, there's no other name under heaven by which mortals can be saved other than the name of Jesus. So we'll skip ahead down to verse 17, and they kick the, Peter and John, the apostles, out, and they discuss, what are we going to do with these guys? And in verse 17, they come to this conclusion, to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, referring to the name of Jesus. Verse 18, so they called them in, they ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John and the other apostles have now been prohibited by these religious authorities. Never again, no more, don't let his name come out of your mouth, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Why are they so grouchy about this? What do they have against Jesus? These are probably the same people, these are the same people who just a couple of months before this had a rally cry against Jesus Got everything all riled up, had him arrested, had him beaten, and had him crucified on a Roman execution stake. This same Jesus, they witnessed a bloody mess, dying on a cross, breathing his last breath, and buried in a tomb. And they thought when they did that, they got rid of the problem. And now just a few months later, everywhere they go, every time they show up at the temple, people are still talking about Jesus. And here's this guy who's been healed, who's standing in front of them. And how is he healed? They said, well, it's in the name of Jesus. So these religious authorities are like, stop it. No more. Leave his name out of your mouth. And then Peter boldly, again in verse 19, Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. So Peter basically says, sorry, we're going to obey God. We can't help it. We're going to keep preaching in the name of Jesus because we can't help but to tell and to witness to what we've seen and what we've heard. And they give them further warnings and they dismiss them. Now, several things take place in Acts 4 and in Acts 5, and some of that, the in-between stuff, will cover next Sunday. But the believers all get together and they pray. They pray for boldness. They pray for the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4. They don't pray for comfort. They don't pray for ease, they just pray that they will have boldness to keep pray, preaching in the name of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the other apostles are arrested again. And then during the night, uh, an angel opens the door for them and says, go back out into the temple courts and keep preaching in the name of Jesus. So they do that. And then during the day, the religious authorities come and they get Peter, John, and the other apostles and they kind of quietly bring them back in for another trial. And we'll pick up in Acts 5, verse 27 and 28. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. So the same religious authorities, same group of people. The high priest questioned them. So this is a big deal. They're standing before the high priest, and he says this. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. So if you notice what the high priest says, he doesn't say the name of Jesus. He doesn't verbalize it. He just says, this man and this man's blood. We told you to stop. 
We told you no more. We shut you down. And yet, you're still preaching in His name. So Peter is going to respond again. Peter still taking that role as the, the leader here and the spokesman. And in verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. Uh, my version says leader. That word can be translated as prince or it means pioneer. So however, whatever translation you're looking at, you know, leader and savior, pioneer or prince and savior. God exalted him at his right hand and that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So again, for the second chapter in a row, Peter, or really the third chapter in a row, Peter and the other apostles are very boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. The guy that you killed on a cross, he's the Savior. He's the one. So after Peter gives this speech in verse 33 and following, Luke gives us this description in verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. You can feel the tension rising here. The heat is rising. Things are getting heated up. They want to kill him, just like they did with Jesus. So you can feel that. For the first time in the book of Acts, the apostles' lives are really in danger here. These aren't just words we're reading in a text. I mean, this was real life for them. They had people who had authority who wanted to kill him. So this guy named Gamaliel in verse 34 through 39 uh, he's this great teacher and leader. In fact, Gamaliel was the teacher of Saul, who we know as Paul. Gamaliel speaks up. They dismiss uh, Peter and the other apostles, send him out of the room, and he, and he tells them, he says, you know, we've seen this before. There's a guy named Thaddeus or Theodos or however you pronounce his name. You know, he, he had kind of this uprising and, and had about 400 followers, and it all came to nothing. He was killed. And his followers were scattered. And he said, and then there was another guy named Judas the Galilean. Same thing. He was killed. His followers were scattered. So Gamaliel says, if that's the case here, eventually these guys will be scattered and it will all come to nothing. We've seen it before. We've seen the insurrectionists rise up and then fizzle out. And that may happen. And then Gamaliel says, however, if this really is from God and you keep fighting against it, you're only going to find yourselves fighting against God. So that sounds like very wise words. And for whatever reason, this seemed to persuade the council. And it says at the end of verse 39, they were convinced by him. So Gamaliel convinces them. And then verse 40, let's pause on that for just a moment. So they called the apostles back in. And then Luke gives us this description. They had them flogged. Just a couple words there, three words. They had them flogged. Um, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 25, verse 3, what we're told is if, if somebody deserves a punishment of flogging, you cannot give them more than 40 lashes. So in Jewish tradition, it was 39 lashes, 40 minus 1. So there's a really good chance that this flogging involved 39 lashes. It was so severe that people used to die from the flogging. So he calls them in, 
And I'm, I can picture maybe all 12, maybe Peter and John, I'm not real sure, but they're flocked. And then, the second part of verse 40, it says, Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. This is not the first warning to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. But this time, when they leave the council, they're no longer arrested, but they're covered in their own blood. It's a pretty gruesome scene if you really dwell on this and think about it. They're filled with pain and agony, and they're covered in their own blood. So this time, the warning seeps in a little bit more. Stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And then sometimes the Bible is funny because, not because of what it says, but because of what it doesn't say. And we don't get a lot of details. We just get these two little verses, what Luke describes what comes next. Verse 41, as they left the council, they rejoiced. So they're flogged, they're beaten within an inch of their life, and now they're rejoicing. Maybe in their minds they're remembering a time when Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted. They rejoice that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. They felt like, what an honor! We're worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, and that's the name of Jesus. The name that's above all names. The cornerstone. The author of life. The prince, the leader, the Christ, the Messiah, this Jesus, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we have been found worthy of suffering disgrace for his name. In all their pain and in all the bloodshed, they rejoice. And in verse 42, And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. So they still proclaim the name of Jesus. Wherever they went and whatever they did, they were not going to stop speaking in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a preacher named Dusty Rush, and I heard him tell this story a long time ago. And the church that he worked at, that he was preaching at, they would have these Wednesday night devotionals. And occasionally they would have different men of the congregation sign up to speak, you know, kind of like we did this summer when we had our deacon speaking event. We'd come, we'd sing, we'd be together, and different men of the congregation would lead the class or lead the talk. And he said, one night a guy signed up to do the Devo talk that normally did not do this sort of thing. So this guy was really stepping out of his comfort zone to do the Devo talk. It was a summer day, so it was hot. He was a big guy. He was sweaty. And, and not only was he sweaty because it was hot outside, but he was sweaty because he was so nervous. And he sat there on that pew that night he was supposed to speak, and they were doing the announcements, did some prayers we're singing some songs, and this guy is sweating profusely, and he gets up to speak, and you can hear how hard and how heavy he's breathing. He sets his notes down on the podium, and they said he just paused for an uncomfortably long amount of time. And they didn't know what he was doing. They didn't know if he froze up or what. They found out later that he had handwritten his notes in ink, and because of his sweat, they were smeared everywhere. So this guy, who's not used to public speaking, is nervous, out of his mind, stands up there, sets his notes down, and realizes he can't read any of it. You know, if you've ever stood in front of people to speak, sometimes it feels like an out-of-body experience, and, and so he's up there, and he doesn't know what to do. And so a minute goes by, and everybody's just staring, and it's uncomfortable. And he said, finally, the guy just said, I really love 
Jesus. I really love Jesus. I just really love Jesus. I really love Jesus. And he just said it over and over. And then the man began to cry, and he just kept saying, I really love Jesus. And after a few minutes of that, he offered an invitation and sat down, and that was his lesson. And Dusty, who was the preacher, said that was one of the best lessons he had heard in a long time. And not because of its many words or its great points, but because when this man, who everybody knew, as a devout follower of Jesus, when he stood up to speak and his notes were stripped away from him and he didn't know what else to say, what he spoke was what came out of his heart. The overflow of his heart is what came out. And all he wanted to convey to people was, I just really love Jesus. You see, the name of Jesus demands a response. There's no other name in the history of the world that has this much power and authority. And there are people around the world who hate the name of Jesus. We see some of that hatred in Acts chapters 3, 4, and 5, and that still happens today. At the name of Jesus, you know, demons shudder. Sometimes people run. At the name of Jesus, I need it. I need the name of Jesus, and I think you do too. In the name of Jesus, the apostle said we have to keep proclaiming this name. There's just something about the name of Christ. So we challenged you last week. We want to. We're focused on Christ and others. We want other people to know Jesus. So how can we show people Christ? And one of the challenges we gave you is to do this acts of kindness challenge or random acts of kindness. I saw online this week that somebody called it Raok or something like that, random acts of kindness. And, and, you know, a lot of people do this, so this has not originated with us. But as we studied last week, Acts 2 and Acts 4, we, Luke gives us these snapshots of the early church, and they're filled with generosity. They're doing good deeds for each other and for others, and they're selling possessions, they're giving to the poor. We see in Acts chapter 3 that Peter and John. They go up to this guy and they say, we don't have money to give you, but what we do have, we give to you. And they do an act of kindness. So generosity marked the early church, and we want to mimic what we see in the early church. So we've challenged you to do some random acts of kindness, maybe at least once a week for this month, for the month of October. Kind of put it into practice. Uh, And I've been gone a lot of this week, but I saw on our Pine Tree Instagram story yesterday that uh, people have shared some of the acts of kindness that they've done this week, and they didn't even share their names, so they kept it random, but it was a way to show others who are looking online, here's some ideas of what you can do. We provided a list on social media of ideas that you could do, or maybe you can think of your own. Maybe you can do some with your family or your connect group. But we challenge you to do acts of kindness in the name of Jesus. And I think God can do a lot with that. There's a guy named Greg Crochelle who wrote a book several years ago called The Christian Atheist, based off of a passage from Titus. And in this book, he tells the story of this woman who her acts of kindness were giving away these cross pins. She would clip a a pin on her shirt or her pants or or something like that that was a cross, a piece of jewelry. And one day she was in a 7-Eleven And the lady who was checking her out, who was a cash register, said, I really like that cross pin. And the lady took it off and said, here, you can have it. 
And the lady at the cash register said, no, I can't take that from you. And the crosspin lady said, no, I really want you to have it. And gave it to her and blessed her in the name of Jesus. And that was it. That was her act of kindness. And in this book, he says that several years later, the crosspin lady, that was her ministry. I don't know her name, so I call her the crosspin lady. She was standing at church. Church was over. She was fellowshipping in the foyer. And some lady came up to her, and her voice was trembling. And she said, you probably don't remember me. But I was working at the 7-Eleven that day. And this cross pin is the one that you gave to me. And he said, she said, that cross pin, that act of kindness that you did for me changed my life. And it was all done in the name of Jesus. There is still power and authority in the name of Jesus. And if you haven't given Jesus power and authority in your life, maybe today would be a good time to do that. Do some acts of kindness this week in the name of Jesus. If you need to rededicate your life this morning, we're going to have shepherds that are willing to pray for you, or you can come up front. Let's stand and let's sing.